Alright, so we are looking at 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And last week, we read, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And that's kind of what we're looking at. That's kind of, this is the last, uh, well, at least as far as my, my, uh, progression of the lesson. Uh, this is kind of really the, uh, the final exhortation. In, uh, in regards to our relationship with God and, and our attitude toward our own personal sin. And, uh, again, he's not preaching sinless perfection. We've already talked about this, but this is, this is what we aspire to do is that you sin not. Um, John has already addressed this topic from verses 6 through 10 in the first chapter. He's talking about our sincerity and our honesty uh, towards God and in, in walking in with God who is light. And uh, those who desire to walk with God, we want to, you know, we want to do that. We want to be compatible uh, to be able to walk with God. And uh, so, you know, we have to be honest and sincere about our um, personal sin because if we're not uh, who are we fooling really ourselves really we're really hurting ourselves fooling ourselves and so what we're getting ready to look at here in the next few lessons not in this lesson uh, John's going to present to us some wonderful things about Jesus Christ that uh, to me just kind of thrill my soul. It, it's just to me, it's kind of like a, a, a an inspiration or a motivation for me to want a fellowship with my uh, with my uh, father because of what Jesus Christ is. And uh, so we're going to look at that when we when we get there. Um, but um, and I know I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Uh, if you are serious about your relationship with God, if you are serious about your walk with God, uh, that's going to be contrary to the norms of society. It's even going to be contrary to your own families, uh, friends, your co-workers. And unfortunately, it's even going to be contrary to some folks in the church. If you're serious about your walk with God, that's even, it's even going to be contrary to some of the folks in church. Uh, when you walk in agreement with God, you might as well settle it that you will not always be in agreement with others. That's just really the reality of it. If you're going to walk in agreement with God, walk in the light as he, in, as he is in the light, you might as well settle in your mind that to do so, you're, you're not going to be in agreement with everybody, and not everybody's going to be in agreement with you. Uh, this is the result of a life lived uh, that um, that's serious for God. Now we hear Pastor Brian mention this passage all the time, Philippians chapter two, verses uh, fourteen through sixteen. He says, "Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world." How many times have we heard him? quote that verse from the pulpit quite often quite often uh, the word crooked is the Greek word scolios and, and I may have said this before this, this word scolios is what we get the word scoliosis and scoliosis is that medical condition where you've got a curve, curvature in your spine you've got a crooked back uh, this particular word scolios comes from the root word skelos 
for skeleton from skelos and that uh, defines from the hip to the feet from the hip to the feet so in application to our lesson this, this crooked world speaks of someone who is out of step with God out of step with God who is unrighteous due to their being crooked in manners and morals right so we got to be careful because you know we're surrounded by folks like that and sometimes we behave like that so we got to be very very careful um, so it speaks of a world that is unfair because it operates from principles that are unfair how many times have you heard people say well that's just not fair well guess what you live in an unfair world you live in an unfair world another word um, that's used uh, in, in with, uh, along with this word um, crooked is the, is the old fashioned word froward not forward but froward froward um, that also describes crookedness Deuteronomy 32.20 says, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. And, of course, this is a judgment against prideful Israel uh, that Moses is warning them of for abandoning God for idols. So a froward generation... They may give lip service to God, but their heart is far from God. Their heart is far from God. So in reality, whatever relationship they claim to have is a sham. It's just a pretense. It's just a pretense. The world is a very religious place, folks. The world is a very religious place. The people of this world are very religious. They have a lot of religions. They have a lot of idols. They have a lot of faiths. There's a lot of religion out there. Uh, the word in Philippians that's, that's uh, translated perverse, uh, this word is uh, di- no, diastrepho, I think. That means to turn aside from the right path. Ah, the purpose of all these other religions, to turn us from the right path. To turn us to to give us another alternative, right? Another option. Don't we love our options? Another option in our faith. It also means to oppose or plot against the saving purpose and plan of God. And we see that too. We even see that in churches. We even see that in churches. You know, the enemies of Jesus Christ they accuse Jesus Christ of being a pervert. Did you know that? They accused Jesus Christ of being a pervert. Luke 23, 1, And the whole multitude of them arose and led him on a pilot, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. When people look at you and you're walking for God, expect that. They're going to look at you as though you're perverse. You're not right. Because you're going against the norm. In our day, what society once judged to be sinful due to almost universal respect for God and His Word, you know, things that at one time society would condemn, they don't anymore, do they? 
No, because of the influences of society and politics and religion and, and what I've been talking about, this Gnosticism, these seducers, that which was once considered an abomination is now considered something to be commended. Well, good for you. You've come out of the closet. You know, now, now that's commended. That's praised. That's praised. And, and we've seen it. There are those who are willingly protesting and rioting and destroying other properties so they can justify their sin. You know, I have a right. I have a right to sin this way. Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, they never really consider that the reason why our country is in such trouble and our churches are the way they are is because we have forsaken our standard and we've turned everything upside down, flip-flopped everything. But that's not the problem. That's not the problem. The world, both religious and secular, has bit by bit, through subtlety and violence, through, through legal means and illegal means, they have removed the absolute standard of God's word from our schools, from our political institutions, from our educational institutions, from any way and every way. What they've done is they've removed the touchstone of morality from this country. And they wonder why we're in the shape we're in. They wonder why we're in the shape we're in. It's little wonder we have social ills and failing leadership. And you know something else that's, that's kind of remarkable? If you really stop, if you're really in tune to what's going on, and I'm not claiming that I am, but this is not just our country. This is global. This is everywhere. This is going on everywhere. This is global. I, I, I don't know. I, I may be wrong. Wrong. Ron might correct me on this, but I don't think we've ever really seen a period of time such as these times. Yeah. In our lifetime, for sure. But I read a lot of history, and we've gone through some rough things. But what we're seeing today is is kind of peculiar. So on your study guide, and this will be near a frog in a pot, maybe, it may appear to be democratic, is your word to be so permissive, but it is the this immoral, immoral permissiveness that is destroying democracy. I mean, simply renaming sin doesn't make it any less sin, does it? No. The Bible informs me that wage that the wages of sin is, is life. No, it's not true, is it? No, the wages of sin is death. Death to the individual, death to a society, death death even to a church. Sin always leads to death. Always. But yet you have and I'm gonna say it, you have fools out there who seem to think it's gonna to lead to a better life. Never does. Never will. As a matter of fact, they would say that the church and the conservative movement is hampering where the problem That's a, Exactly. Yep. 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 That's exactly, you're absolutely right. And that is one of my points. 
That's exactly right. You know, just because there may be an appearance of life doesn't necessarily mean that there is life there. Okay? Uh, this is the one, this is one of the deceptions about adopting this Laodicean church mentality. Lots of activity, lots of busyness, lots of loud music, lots of fanfare, lots of Jesus, 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 but no life. No life. And you have to wonder, is Jesus in the middle of all of this? Is he really in the middle of all this? You know, what may appear to be worship in many churches, and I I think I spoke on this last Sunday night, what may appear to be worship in a lot of churches today may not be worship that's acceptable with God. it, It may be acceptable with us, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily acceptable with God. I'm not the standard of of worship he is. He's the one who teaches me and tells me what true worship is. A.W. Tozer, years ago, he saw this very same thing going on in the church in his day, and it's just multiplied in our day. He said, worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than the Christ within us. And that's exactly what we are seeing. That's exactly what we're seeing. The worship that we see in today's churches reflects the culture, not Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm going to get on a soapbox. The Philadelphia church looked at what God was doing through them, and so they humbly gave worship and testimony to God's greatness. This is reflected in their hymnology. This is why the hymns written in that period of time, even a little after that period of time, is so full of sound doctrine. That's why those hymns appeal to the heart of the born-again believer who knows their word. Because it speaks to their soul. It ministers to their heart. It ministers to their heart. And it's more than just generational. Oh, it's just generational. It's because you're an old fuddy-duddy, Jeff. No, it's not generational. It's not generational. In those hymns, there is spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. There is truth, God's truth, in those old standards of the faith. The Laodicean church, she looks to herself, not to God. Oh, she may say she does. And she pridefully worships herself, mitigating God to the role of some doting father that exists to hold her hand and pat her on the head and provide for her selfish needs, never realizing that he is the Lord of her life, though they may give lip service. The Laodicean bride is a troublesome bride with a wandering eye and insincere heart. So on your study guide. The troubling issue about this age in which we live in is that many believers are self-deceived into thinking that they are in fellowship with God, yet even yet not even be aware of fellowship being broken due to the lenient view, is your blank, of sin in this Laodicean church age environment. And we have a very lenient view of sin. It's almost like an anything goes mentality. In the name of Christian liberty. 
We need, as born-again believers, we need to face our personal sins sincerely and honestly. Because if we don't, we're going to fall into this mentality of the Laodicean church and we're going to think, oh, I'm in fellowship with God, but maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. We will fall into the worst sort of... You know what the worst sort of deception is? Self-deception. Yeah. If you're self-deceived, you don't know you are deceived. And you're open to more deception. So you're absolutely right, Jerry. Self-deception is the worst form of deception. The worst form of deception. And that is the primary issue of the Laodicean church, that they're self-deceived. You know, we're all familiar with the temperature of this last age of the churches, right? What is it that Jesus said that this church was? It was lukewarm, tepid. And what did Jesus, what did Jesus say about this church? What was he going to do? I'm going to spit you out. I'm going to spew you out. I'm going to spew you out. Lukewarm, tepid. I remember as a young man working in the sod fields. I worked in the sod fields for a couple of summers. That's hot, dusty work. I don't know if you, anybody's ever worked out in the field pitching hay or whatever. And, well, our employer supplied us water, <laughs> but the water took on the temperature of the summer day. So when we went to get a drink of water, it wasn't very refreshing. It really didn't help our thirst. We went on a short-term mission trip, Diane and I. And after a long, dusty day canvassing the neighborhoods, uh, one of the things that we looked forward to at the end of the day was a nice, hot shower. Did we ever get a nice, hot shower? Some did. Some did, yeah. Sometimes that water was so cold that the soap wouldn't even lather. So that was a quick shower. Not very refreshing. Not very refreshing. And I say all this to make this point. The tepid state of the Laodicean church affords no refreshment to the Lord. Think about that. Think about that. That's why we don't want to go there. Tepid. This tepid state of the Laodicean church affords no refreshment to the Lord. Romans 8.8 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. They cannot please God. Remember, one of the primary reasons why John is writing this epistle is to warn us of who? The seducers. The Gnostics. The seducers out there. The Antichrist. The false teachers. First John 2.26, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Now, this is nothing new. The enemies of God have been doing this for a long time. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 20. Turn to Jeremiah tw- chapter 20. And Jeremiah was a man who had an unenviable calling. He had to preach to a stiff-necked people, a rebellious people. Jeremiah chapter 20. So God called him to a very difficult field. Very difficult field. And old Jeremiah is not much different than anybody else, you know. And the people that he was dealing with is really not much different than the people that we deal with and work with and hang out with sometimes. But look here in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 7. 
He says, O Lord, Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me in a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. This man was frustrated. He was frustrated. Jeremiah, at this point, I believe, was ready to throw in the towel. He was preaching his heart out to a people who did not want to hear it. He was preaching his heart out to a people who were violently opposed to what he was telling them. And so he was wanting to quit, but he couldn't quit. He couldn't quit. Why? Because he knew God and he knew God's word. He goes on and he says here in in, uh, verse 9, he says, But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. I could not stay. Does the word of God burn in your bones? I have to ask myself sometimes. I have to ask myself sometimes when I'm ready to just, you know what, this isn't really worth it. You know what, this is this is really taking a lot more effort than I really care to put into it. But I've come to places like that, and you know what I've discovered? I can't quit. I can't quit. I can't quit. That's exactly what the enemy of God wants you to do. Quit. That's exactly what he wants you to do. He wants you to quit. He wants you to roll over. He wants you to join them. No longer hold that old archaic KJV up. Pitch it. Grab one of these comic book versions that I have for you. Stop supporting missions. Don't bother with preaching the gospel to sinners. Just throw it all in. It'll be a lot easier on you. Short term. You know, we hear a lot about the Great Reset. Let me tell you something, folks. It's not the Great Reset we should be anxious about, but rather it's the Great Seduction that's going on. That's what's behind it all. It's the great seduction that's behind it all. Proverbs 7.21 says, With her much fair speech she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. A seducer is one that leads or tempts or presents some other or new way to go. On the surface it might appear the right way. It might be appealing. But beneath the surface it's contrary to the right way and it is every time. It is every time. So on your study guide, in the Bible, this whorish and adulterous woman is a picture of the great harlot church that for a time will ride the back of the coming beast. On your study guide, the phrase forced him is picturesque of a huntress who pursues her prey into a trap. Huntress. Folks, let me show you where we're at in this Laodicean age. Now, on your study guide, there should be a picture 
Can you see that picture? Okay. Uh, this past year, 2022, all of Europe celebrated what they called the Commonwealth Games that included 72 countries all competing in athletic competition. Now, the centerpiece of the ceremony, like they always do, like in the Olympics, what they did was they had this um, massive um, mechanical bull. It, it moved and all this kind of stuff. And it... it walked into the arena and on, and on the back of this bull was a young woman dressed like a huntress all these nations you know representatives of these nations were circling this bull and they were raising their hands and they were bowing down to it and they were paying homage to this bull paying homage to this bull I don't know if you can pick it out but also notice that above the bull you see two women who appear to be suspended above them in the air. They're in white garments. Turn to Zechariah chapter 5. Turn to Zechariah chapter 5. And raise your hand when you get there. It's one of those obscure minor prophet books. Zechariah 5. Got it? Okay, one's there. Two's there. All right. Three, four, five. Okay, Zechariah 5. Verse 5. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, Moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. Through all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, This is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Then lifted up my eyes, and looked, and behold, there came out two women. And the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto them, To build it a house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set thereupon her own base. What is the land of Shinar? Babylon. 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 Revelation 17.5 And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And what was this woman sitting on? A beast. A beast. Prince Charles, now King Charles addressed the assembly about the Commonwealth Games and he said above all but above all they remind us of our connection with one another wherever we may be in the world as part of the Commonwealth family of nations you see that's why they were nervous about King about Charles becoming king because he buys into this he buys into this now, I doubt if any of these individuals realize that the display shown here at the Commonwealth Games had any biblical connection. Woman riding on this bull, these two angels floating above. Yes, ma'am. World Economic Forum. That's part of the whole global. Yeah, that's part of the whole globalization thing. Yeah, yeah. He's he's bought into all of that. And that's what the Britons are afraid of. That's what's happening in our own country. 
We're going to be absorbed into this global system. That's where it's all working for. Now, they might deny, no, 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 it has nothing to do with the Bible. That's because they're clueless. They don't know. They don't know. So on your study guide, the great seducer is your blank, is beguiling the nations of the world as it is being prepped for a coming dictator that promises peace is your blank and unity, but in reality will bring about slavery and destruction. The great seduction, folks. All you need to do is open up your eyes to our society and to our own country. Even even the churches, even many of the churches are beginning to to follow along and buy into these seducers, into these seducers and their teachings. And I think it's because, in part, uh, sin has had such free course. Uh, it's had such free course in our society. It's had such free course even in our churches. And these seducers have systematically chipped away at the moral foundation of our nation, removing the word of God from our schools, prayer, everything, just attacking. I mean, I, can't, I think it was Matt that was talking about the conservatives and Christianity being the enemy or being the cause or being blamed. He's absolutely right. If you're paying attention, that's exactly what's going on. We're the problem, not them. Yep. Yep. We're the problem, not them. Now, I'm not espousing legalism because I think legalism is part of the problem. I think legalism is part of the problem. But what I'm just simply saying is open up your eyes, folks. That's why I'm saying be jealous for your fellowship with God. Be jealous for what you have in your hand in that Bible. Be jealous for that. And be jealous about your um, being clean. Being clean so you can have fellowship. On your study guide, one of the primary reasons why sin is so commonly accepted in our society from, yeah, I'm going to say it, from abortion to homosexuality is because sin has become tolerated. And even accepted in our churches. And the members of the leadership of these churches base, at your blank, this acceptance in their attitudes toward personal sin. Even the leadership of the churches own attitude for their own sin. Attitudes? Yeah. Uh, base, B-A-S-E. Base. Yeah, base this acceptance in their attitudes, in their own personal attitudes. You know, they, instead of instead of having the mind of God, they've got their own attitude or their own opinion. And where do they get their own opinion and attitude? It's certainly not from here. Certainly not from here. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. And the reason the world is like it is is because it's all 
Yep, exactly. And so the church is now using what they're told is the Bible yep. taught out of it is not biblical. No. No, it's and today in, in our churches and I won't name a name necessarily, but churches that we love and have known been in yep. do exactly what you talked about earlier. Yep. Are espousing a gospel from a Bible that does not teach them the truth. Yep. Teaches them acceptance and you know Meet the world as they are, yep. and God loves you as you are. Yep. Which is not true. Yep. Yep. And I know my church in Arizona, we did an exercise and went through a bunch of versions and saw that the gospel that is taught, was, I'm not going to get a big thing here, but this is where it is, mm-hmm. what we're seeing, is a progressive salvation. Mm-hmm. You are becoming saved. It's, yep. Just take the time. It's yep. There. And so they know because of their biblical based background, but they do not practice. Right. Or, or have that attitude. Right. The basis of that attitude is not based on truth. Therefore, can, can incorruption come from corruption? Exactly. It's impossible. Yeah. Yep. And science tells you that. Yeah. And so this is the result. Yeah. The world is like it is because the church. Allow that. Yep. And what you did was just preach my next three pages. So, but that's, that's, a, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. The whole, the whole attitude, the whole, the whole mindset, it's because of a inferior, they say the KJV is inferior. No. It's the other way around. But you notice that's what they'll always do. They'll always take that truth and flip it and call it, that's the lie, this is the truth. That's exactly right. But yeah, so, so I'm, I'm just gonna go past my next three pages. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not KJV. Now something else, uh, um, thank you Mark. Uh, that saved me some time. So first, no, no. Uh, first Corinthians 12, 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So what does that mean? We're all part of the body of Christ. Okay, I'm going to step on toes. Something that I have seen and something that I've personally been convicted about is um, the thinking and the attitude that comes from this thinking about how we live. And how we live reflected in our attitudes, in our behaviors, in our words towards one another. And we get this thinking in our head that somehow our actions and our words have no real effect effect on others. And so we'll say whatever we want to say and do whatever we want to do and not even give any thought to the consequences. You understand what I'm saying? Romans 14:7 says, "For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself." Now I'm as sharp as a marble, I admit it. But I have seen it doesn't matter how insignificant you might think you are in this church, or you might think you're flying under the radar. But let me tell you something. What you say or don't say and what you do and don't do 
is like a pebble dropped in the pond. It has an effect. It has an effect. And I think tragically for some of God's people, we don't keep that in mind. And so we'll say hurtful things, and we'll do hurtful things, and we won't even give it a thought. We won't even give it a thought. What does that cause in the church? Bad feelings, divisions, disruptions, lies, and people swallow it. People swallow it down. They don't think about going and checking the story out. No, they're too quick to accept that story. What does that cause? What does that cause? So what you say and what you do does matter. It does matter. And we need to be serious about such things. We need to take such things. See, unfortunately, what we have adopted, and when I say we, I'm talking, you know, church in general, we've adopted that look out for number one mentality. Look out for number one. Look out for number one mentality. That's not the way a church is supposed to be running. If one part of the body is hurting, guess who else hurts? Me. If one part of the body is being praised, guess who else? See, for some reason we think that we're these little entities running around. We're not these little important entities. We're part of a body. And when you hurt a part of the body, you're hurting you. You. So on your study guide... So often it is the transgressions of the leadership that become highlighted. And yet it is the individual members of the church that has the subtlest impact on the character of the church. You is what makes up the character of this church. Not Brian. You. You. You have the greatest impact on the character of this church. See, the congregation holds such high accountability for the leadership, and they should. But for some reason, we excuse ourselves for what we will not allow with the leadership. I I don't get that. Why am I exempt? Why am I exempt? And see, the accountability to the light that God is begins with the person whose derriere is planted on the seat. That's where it begins. It begins with me and you. Not Brian. Not Randy. Not Randy. And that's what I think John is trying to address here. I think that's what John is trying to address here. He's addressing the individual member in this body. Remember what he said, that truly our fellowship is the Father with His Son, and these things we write unto you, that your joy might be full. That your joy might be full. That's why John writes here, he says, These things I write unto you, that ye sin not. 
So on your study guide, this is not a call to sinless perfection, but it's a call to an open and honest walk before God in spirit and truth, and sincerity and truth. And it has to begin with me. And where else? Yeah. You. You see, the church is full of self-satisfied Pharisees who like to brag about all that they do and all that, you know, all this kind of stuff, all of their perfections. I get kind of tired. You know what we need? We need honest publicans in the church. We need honest publicans in the church who contritely confess their shortcomings, look to God for forgiveness and cleansing, and then live and walk the justified life they have in Christ. We need more publicans. You can keep your Pharisees. Give me your honest publicans. You know, in this society, there's so much confusion about identity. Even in the church, there's confusion over identity. Our identity is Christ. How many times have you heard Brian say that? Our identity is in Christ, walking in his life, living in accordance to his righteousness, loving as he loved. If you want to, if you want to identify with anything, identify with him. Identify with him. On your study guide. I'm going to get done early. And there's rejoicing in the land. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> That's a good one, Ron. That's a good one. So on your study guide. Don't allow this permissive or dismissive Attitude concerning personal sin prevail in your thinking. This accusing others while excusing oneself. Your next blank, it will infect your attitude and be manifested by your conversation both verbally and by your conduct. Don't buy into this Laodicean mentality. Don't buy into that. Don't become seduced by this trend in the Laodicean type churches to love the world and the things of the world, pursuing your best life now. We can have a good life. Ecclesiastes tells me I can have a good life, but my best life is not now, it's coming. It's coming. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Abundant life? You want abundant life? Walk even as he walked. You want abundant life? Walk in the light as he is in the light. If you want abundant life, then you honor God. You be in awe of God. Don't treat him like he's your personal cosmic Walmart. 
or a sugar daddy. He's none of those things. He is the creator, the Lord and Savior. That's who he is. That's who he is. It was infect? Infect. Not affect. Infect, like a a disease. So John exhorts us to sin not. He says, don't permit yourselves to fall into this self-deceptive lifestyle of I'm okay, you're okay. Right? Don't buy into all that kind of stuff. You know, don't buy into all that, that, uh, my goodness. I go to these bookstores and, you know, honestly, I don't even want to walk into a Christian bookstore anymore. I really don't. It used to be you could walk into a Christian bookstore and you could find quality, quality books, but now it's just so much marshmallow fluff. It really, that's my opinion, guys. It just is. It's just marshmallow fluff. There's no meat. Well, if they don't care about the real Bible, they're not going to care about books. Thank you very much. That's absolutely right, Ron. Now, if you lived off of a jar of, what is that stuff called, that marshmallow in a jar? Marshmallow. Huh? Yeah. Now, can you imagine living a week off of just that? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But yet... Oh, we'd be something. But yet, that's Christianity today, folks, if you open up your eyes. I don't want to be that way. I want to be fed meat. And I really hope I'm giving you meat. I really do hope I'm giving you meat. So the exhortation is to walk in agreement with the Lord according to His way, not my way, in sincerity and truth, according to His Word, empowered by His indwelling Spirit. Folks, that's not legalism. That's real liberty. That's real liberty. John knows we're going to sin. He knows that. But his exhortation is, don't. Don't fall into that. Don't let that become a pattern of your life. Don't, don't fall into that. That I just covered verses 6 through 10. Don't fall into that. And so John's going to get ready to tell us three things about Jesus Christ. Three important things. Three wonderful things about Jesus. That to me, well, hi. I didn't see you come in. Uh, three important things about Jesus Christ that I think if we get a hold of them and appreciate them, I think it's going to go a long way. A long way in helping us walk in the light as he's in the light. Okay? Any questions or comments? Okay, so we'll go ahead and close out in a word of prayer, and then we'll be ready for the rest of the service. Father in heaven, we, this, you know, I, uh, what am I going to say? What a privilege it is to know you. And what a privilege it is to, to have your word in our hands, your spirit within our hearts. And Father, forgiveness for taking all of that for granted. Thank you, Lord God, for the church that you've given us. Help us to love it, care for it, nurture it, 
take care of it, guard it, and keep it safe. Help us, O Lord, guard in our own attitude, in our own attitude, in regards to those things that would disrupt our fellowship with you. Help us, O Lord God, give us a jealous heart for you, to always, always desire to be with you, always to be in fellowship with you. Come what may, Lord. It's not going to be popular. We're going to be counter the popular notions that's going on today. But help us, Lord God, by your spirit to stand firm, having these these uh, sound words. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.